Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. All right, it's a win ticket Wednesday here on Jake and Ben, 97.5 and 1280. The Zone. Go see one of Ben's favorite bands. If you're the 12th caller right now, 855-340-ZONE. Kill Switch Engage is bringing their atonement tour to Salt Lake City at the Complex. Caller 12 right now. you get two tickets to go see them on March 2nd. Tickets available at LiveNation.com. Jake, some people might have thought I was a liar on Monday when I said that I see local legend and uh, future NFL draft pick Nick Ford every time I go to the grocery store. Sure enough, last night, I uh, braved the storm. I actually kind of got out before the weather hit uh, and had to pick up a couple of things at the grocery store. And who did I see while I was walking around there following me down the drink aisle? The one and only Mr. Nick Ford. And he took a really creepy photo. <laughs> he's, uh, he's a celebrity. He took a really creepy I was, I was, photo. I, I he didn't know I was taking it. That was the best part. He didn't know I took it. Yeah, but you tagged him on Twitter. So now he's going to open up his Twitter and be like, Kyle, who is this stalker? He did respond. He, he did, did respond. He actually followed me last night, which was very nice of him on Twitter. So, uh, yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm creeping on Nick Ford. You're no question about it. Ford. So, yeah, uh, I'd follow you on Twitter to keep an eye on you, too. Like, this weirdo was, was following me around the store. I'm going to shoot him a text and ask about this. <laughs> yeah. No, I saw him. I saw him running around. I tell you, I see him. I've seen him at the two. I'm kind of halfway between two different grocery stores. So, depending on what I need, I'll go to one or I'll go to the other. And I've seen him at both. And then the other day, I was doing a little late Christmas shopping, just kind of some small little knickknacks here and there. And he was in the knickknack store as well. So, we are just on a very, very similar Similar schedule vibe. for whatever reason that I'm going to see him around. So but I'm missing my grocery store friend Nick Ford once he goes to the league next How year. would you feel about this? Listen, Ben, you're a big deal. You're a celebrity. I'm the most famous person you're, in South Salt Lake. You're a big deal. I'm easily the most important member of the South Salt Lake community. Well, all of a sudden you you flip open your social media of whatever it is and some, some guy, like my brother-in-law would do this. So it would take a picture like, look, I saw the world yeah. famous Ben Anderson. Yeah. My brother-in-law, who's I've told you this, is a huge fan of yours. He, oh, is like, great! Is like Ben Anderson's number one fan. He he. This was a while ago, I guess, but he came visited me in the in the studio. Uh, I it was for a jazz game, I think, and he's like, it was right after we started the show. Uh-huh. He's like, is Ben here? Where's Ben? I I kind of came to see you, but really I came to see Ben. It's like, uh, 
I don't know. He's down I to eat or something. I guess I better be keeping good company if that's the case. You know? <laughs> be careful who you're I'm being I'm only related with. to the guy and he's like, oh, yeah. Well, yeah, he you. sees you at Christmas. I'm a big <laughs> deal. South Salt Lake's finest. You are a big I guess next if, to Nick Ford, apparently. What if my brother-in-law took a picture of himself with you in the background and be like, oh, my gosh, it's Ben Anderson. You'd think it was weird. You, you're going to get recognized more than I am if we go out. By the way, did you see our uh, artwork? We got yeah. some art. We got our uh, headshots. It taken. looks good. It's, it looks really good. We look it's, incredibly good. So much better than my previous online oh, does picture. It? Does oh, it look good? oh, good. My, my old one. Well, that's, a, so that's a win. We're in good <laughs> so shape then. <laughs> oh, man. But you'd think it was weird. And you did that to Nick Ford. I am, and yes, I'm going to keep doing it to him. I'm going to do it every single time I see him. He did respond. So make yeah. sure and follow me on Twitter at, uh, at Ben's Hoops. And I'm going to keep doing it because I'm going to see him for at least the next, when's the draft? February? So he's probably going to move back to California April. after the Rose Bowl. April? Yeah. They start doing all the, the prep stuff. Excuse me. So he'll probably move back to L.A. after the Rose Bowl. Well, it kind of depends on what these guys do. Some guys go train in different parts of the country. So yeah. He can go yeah. Anywhere, right? But he's not going to stay here. No. I would assume not. And he's going to go to the Combine. So he yeah. probably doesn't necessarily need to Combine's do the Pro February. Day unless he skips a couple of things. He might do the Pro Day when he comes back here. We'll see. He'll but I'm gonna, I'll see him in the grocery store. Hey. Let's see. I go three or four times a week, and I see him every time turf on Earth up, uh, on Earth up there. Oh yeah, he'd be he'd be crazy not to to do a pro day, man. You could, Nick Ford's going to clock in. What what do you think, Hatch? Like a like a four three five on the forty? <laughs> yeah, oh, I was going to say four six is an offensive line. <laughs> no, you know. he'd be crazy not to run that forty at the pro day. I'm with you, Hatch. Good point. That's going to get him drafted. That nickname, the fastest turf on earth, is hilarious. It actually came to me from somebody inside that program. Really, it's so. hilarious. I can't remember what it, uh, who was that kick returner, Reggie Reggie Dunn. Reggie Dunn. That Four, I remember one, like a something, something like a yeah. like a the, world record, like a world record, <laughs> like, faster what? than Deion Sanders yeah. at the combine, which is like the most infamous forty in history. And it's like, wait a minute, I don't think so. No. Uh, but yeah, he, 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 I bet he does his pro day. The only people that really skip pro days are... DJ Metcalf. Yeah. If you go and have the single greatest, who was the kid who went to Washington who set the record in the 40? And if he'd been wearing Adidas, wouldn't he have won an island? Dollars or something? Oh, yeah, it was yeah. an island. Yeah. And he was like, now I wear Nikes. Or maybe it was the other way around. But he still plays. He actually, I think he plays for the Jets. He scored a touchdown earlier this year. Anyways, regardless. All right, Ben. Today is signing day. And I wonder... How much the new NIL rules are coming into play? Now, I, w- I want to play this clip for you from from Lane Kiffin, the Lane Train head coach for the moment at Ole Miss. All of a sudden, his name comes up with every job, but yet he's uh, he's still there. Uh, but he was talking about the transfer portal. But I think you could uh, apply this to recruiting as well. Here's here's what Lane Kiffin had to say. I think people really say it this way, but let's not make a mistake. I mean, we have free agency in college football, and. The kids a lot of times go to where they're going to get paid the most. So no one else is saying that maybe, but, you know, the kids say, this is what I'm getting here for NIL, you know. And so what we really have, it is what it is, you know. Free agency has been created in college football, you know. I can go, except you can't lock people into a contract. You know, they can go at any time. So it's a new world that we're in, you know. And sometimes they want to come to you and say, I'm, I get this much money if I go there. So... This is just a whole whole new thing to deal with. A whole new thing to deal with, Ben. And I wonder how much NIL, though, is getting thrown around to some of these recruits. Yeah, it's crazy. So we look at, you know, the first day of the NBA free agency, somebody always tracks how much money has been spent. And it's like it's like a billion dollars, Samir. You know what I mean? Like you have committed because you've signed 
four guys to $200 million contracts and the rest of the league splits up $200 million. It's like, yeah, you get up to a billion dollars in, in expenditures over the next five seasons. How much money gets spent on every campus right now? And there's a hundred, what, 130 college football teams? Now, not everyone has real NIL money, but... Most of them do. At least all the P5 schools are putting some money out there to get kids to, to go around. And again, the number one recruit in the country is going to Jackson State to join Deion Sanders, and he ain't doing it for free. I was going to say, there are reports out there that he could be netting himself a million dollars in an NIL deal yeah. for Yeah, that. right. So Probably from Deion from himself. Dion, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> from the Showtime brand. <laughs> Primetime Productions yeah, exactly. over here. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, good. There's, there's probably... I mean, there's probably a kid on the top 50 rosters who's getting... Fifty to one hundred thousand dollars at every school right now. I wonder. See, Lane talking about it right there. It sounds like he hates it. I bet. Coaches, oh yeah, he sounds I bet miserable. Coaches hate it. He went on in a in a further comment to say that he had a kid who's on his team take a visit Correct. earlier this week that just no showed practice because he was taking a visit somewhere else. Like I don't I don't know if what he's talking about right there is actually good for college football, but there's no way coaches like it because now you've got to line up all this dough. To recruit a player. Correct. That you yep. have to involve, you know, for lack of a better, you got to involve the built bar guy to land a, correct. To land a dude. Oh, correct. And, and, and it's funny because a lot of these schools, you know, let's say Mike Leach, for example. Like, Mike Leach gets better than average quarterbacks because he has a better than average offensive system. So he gets these kids like, now, they're Luke Falk, but Luke Falk was a four-star kid when he committed to him. You know, like, he can go out and sell himself to some of these kids to come out and play for him wherever he's going to be because you're going to get a chance to throw the ball all over the field. So he's like, he's developed a system. Utah bats above their average in running back talent. You know, like, they get better running back talent than they should, but because they always put running backs in the NFL. Same with cornerbacks. Jalen Johnson, Clark Phillips. Like, those kids shouldn't have gone to Utah. But they put guys in the NFL so they get that opportunity because that's what they do specifically well. That's not good enough by itself anymore, unfortunately. You have to have that, and then you also have to go out and bring in the sponsor to also land that guy. So, yes, it's one more piece of the puzzle you have to include, and I'm sure that's really difficult to do. And then once you get them, if the next year some sponsor from Colorado State Correct. comes up with more dough, sayonara. Yeah. I don't know if that's good for the sport, Ben. I, I, I understand that argument. I also have to say, and you've done the same thing, we've talked to Cole Fotheringham, we've talked to these kids, I talked to Nick Ford at the grocery store yesterday. Uh, good for you. You know what I mean? Like you're an 18-year-old kid and you do something so well that we've put these bizarre rules in place that say you have to go to college before you can make money off your thing you know, professionally and play professionally, but you're good enough to make money doing it, then go make your money. That's how I feel about it because someone's making money off you. Coaches are making money off you. Boosters, you know, want to use your celebrity of saying, hey, I go to the games. It's great for me. I've talked about the political capital you can get from going to a game of a college kid. You know, you talk about the attorney general going to Michigan. Like, that's a political drive. And then she gets money out of her political career. So go have success. If you can make your money, get your money. Hopefully you treat the people well. Because that will come back and bite you. Like Jay Hill told us, if you're the guy who interviews for every job as a coach, it doesn't work out for you because they recognize you're, you're a floozy jumping around to, you know, as a coach. Players can do the same thing. If you're a player and you think, well, I'm going to go listen to Colorado State even though I committed to Utah or I'm playing at Utah, but I'll go play at a worse school because they want to give me $25,000, in the long run that will cost you money. It will cost you an opportunity. And you hope the kids are getting good enough advice to not chase cheap money early on. I just wish the critics would have sunk their teeth into the NFL as opposed to ruining college football. 
Because the NFL has been benefiting by having a minor league system for free for years. Correct. So why aren't people complaining about the NFL? Well, they develop a minor league system. Then they can pay. Then they'd be professionals. Why do you have to ruin amateurism? I understand that. And basketball's trying to figure that out. You know, baseball's always figured it out. It. Yeah. yeah. They, have, they have figured out a way to try and do it. It might truly kill college football if they were to find a way to do it in the NFL. I don't think so, because college football isn't about the talent. In the same way that college basketball isn't about the talent. Hmm. Explain. It's not about the level of play. It's about the association with the university. It's about winning on the level that you're playing on. It's not about college football isn't great. It's not about the elite of the elite. It's not about the elite of the elite. It's not about the product. It's about the passion. And I think you could make that same argument about college basketball. Because when we're talking college basketball, there's a difference between the sophomores, juniors, and seniors and the one-and-done freshman kids. Like, that's one league. And then there's the rest of the leagues of the guys who stick around. And the one-and-done is a terrible rule, Ben. And you know whose terrible rule rule. it is? The NBA's. It's It's the NBA's rule. It's not college's rule. College basketball didn't make that rule. No. Nor did they want it. Nor do they want they it. They shouldn't want it. They would rather have the one and done kids go to the NBA. Yeah, go play for the G League Ignite or whatever you got to do. Because they, the college basketball doesn't even get to capitalize on their being good. Yeah. Because they're gone. Right, for the most part. Yeah. And then it's hypocrisy because then those players are literally not going there for school. And the, the, the people who criticize that angle of it are totally right. But again, it's not, it's not the university's fault. It's the NBA's fault. You know, you think college athletes are being exploited. Ugh. Well, direct that passion at the NFL because they're the ones profiting off the farm system that they don't have to pay for. Correct. They are. They, they 100, 100% are. They have the football because of the danger of the sport. It should be the opposite, but they get to take advantage of their players more than anyone because of the danger of their sport. Because you get used and abused and thrown out of the league so quickly, they don't ever commit to you very long. Right. And that's why they don't have guaranteed contracts either. When it obviously it seems like it would be the opposite. Now, football players will argue that well, if you gave us guaranteed contracts, we wouldn't play as hard because we'd get hurt. We get hurt every game right now because we're fighting for our lives literally every set, every game. And if we didn't have to do that and we were guaranteed payouts, we wouldn't play hard every game. You know, because we don't want to get hurt. We want to stick around the, in the NFL as long as possible. I think I understand both of those arguments. There has to be a happy middle ground, but it is that same threat that the NFL will use to make sure they never have to develop a, a minor league. But, I mean, then maybe in college football, Ben, you'd get players that, and, and get this, actually want to be there. Yeah. Because everybody says, oh, these recruits are just doing it because they want to make it to the, to the NFL, to the next level or whatever. Well... Provide them an avenue to go do that. Then I always wonder, like people complaining about it, they go play in Canada. Yeah. The people who will succeed most out of this, though, are those who are willing to adapt. Or the next generation right. of people who know how to play the system the best and know how to use the name, image, likeness deals in their favor on NLI day to end up you know, saying, well, I'm a better coach than Nick Saban. I'm not actually a better coach than Nick Saban, but I know how to use NIL deals better than Nick Saban does, so we're going to get better yeah. players here, and we're going to dethrone Alabama. And that, that coach is coming if he's, not already in the, if he's not already in college football. And it may not be a coach. It may be a booster. It may be an athletic director. It may be less about on the field. In fact, we know it's less on the field than what's going on off the field. There was another interesting article yesterday from Dennis Dodd at CBSSports.com about how this has changed the coaching carousel. And 
the reason the coaching carousel is so crazy right now is because you have to fire your coach in season, like Matt Wells or like Clay Helton, so you can have a new guy in place by the time you get to early signing day, signing day yeah. which mm-hmm. did not have to be the case. So you're firing guys like Matt Wells who are bowl-bound and are having the best season they've had since they've been at that school because you want to make sure you can replace him before the middle of December, which did not used to be the case. You didn't have to worry about this. When, when's the other signing day? Is it like the second? It's the first Wednesday in February. In February. So you'd have three more months to kind of get through scouting, get through pro days. To salvage a class. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and you don't get that opportunity anymore. So this has made, if you hate the coaching carousel, this early signing period is actually a huge part of the reason it's changed. If you love it, you can be happy for this early signing period. Again, I don't think that's good for the sport, Ben, but do I love following it? Yeah. Yeah. I do. Correct. It's bad for the people involved. It's good for everyone on the outside looking in, getting to play with people's lives like their goofy chess pieces that we get to reset at the end of the day. Which is kind of sick to enjoy it, but you know what? I do. For sure, we all do. That's why we. That's why there's a radio show. I thought the you whole know? Oregon yeah. thing was fascinating with the behind the scenes. And oh, which Kalani? Is he going to leave? Is he not yeah, going to leave? Right. Is he going to get paid? Yeah, it's it's a soap opera. College football is best. You want to, I, The argument I would make against you is it's not about the talent. I'm with you. The drama in college football is better than anything. Yes. And, and the transfer portal and the early signing period, they've just thrown steroids into the mix. I mean, they've just put blood into the water of all these sharks. They've made it even crazier. And that's, you know, if you like the excitement, if you like the chaos, it's certainly created more chaos. And now, you, if you're Kyle Whittingham, you have to line up a bunch of boosters to pay your guys, which has got to ruin his day. It's obviously ruining Lane Kiffin's day. <laughs> <laughs> Something happened. Someone bailed on him. By the way, is 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 it just me or is the Lane Train honestly a national treasure? He's great. I love him. I'm I with you. Too. I love him. He's amazing. His Twitter feed is peak comedy because like when these rumors pop up involving him, he'll like post a picture of like a license plate from that state and get yes. everybody in a, few, in a yes. just an absolute tizzy about it. I love it because he's been dragged so much over his career that he just doesn't care anymore. He's been through the horror show. Yeah, he just doesn't and now care he went anymore. back for a ride for fun. Like he's like a crazy person. Like he's been through the absolute like the highest highs and the lowest lows of college football, and then he said, "You know what? I think I'm going to do it again." Which is really funny to say, I learned how that game can burn you, and now I'm going to go play it by, by my own rules. And he probably realized that he was bound to get dragged for nothing. Yes. So there was nothing he could do about Correct. it. Correct. So you might as well laugh about it. No, he's terrific. Which I think is hilarious. I'm with you. I, he's one of my favorite people, if not my favorite person in college football right now. That's not like a local person we get to talk to. As far as just like the national drama, he's absolutely my favorite person. You know what else I kind of like about him? And I shouldn't like this about him, but I, there's an honesty to it. He's not pretending that he's not trying to use your gig as a stepping, like not as a stepping stone gig. Yep. He took the Florida Atlanta, was it a Florida Atlantic? FAU. Uh, yep. He took that job basically saying, I'm coming here because I think I can recruit to put together a winner to get a better job. He also wanted to live on the water and be able to take his boat right out from his dock. And that's what he did. And, it, <laughs> and he doesn't really like hide from it. Like other coaches just lie about it. Be like, no, 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 we're family. Family on three. I'll be here forever. Never mind. I'm here to rehabilitate my image so I can get a so I can get a better job. Yeah, and you you know what? FAU doesn't care because they're going to get one good season out of him. Who cares? They got one good season. That's one more than they normally get. Anyway, sorry, Ben. No, I'm with you. Love the lane train. I like the guys who are honest about it. I like the guys who are not pretending it's anything but what it is. As a guy who walked around uh, FAU and Boca Raton last year for BYU's bowl game. 
it's a pretty cool campus down there. I gotta say. Well, and, and I don't. We we went through it with Urban Meyer, right? I mean, just yes. if, if you went back and and replayed all of his, I love it here. I love the mountains. Yeah. My family's here, and uh, on and on and on. You look you look back at it twenty years later. It's like that dude was lying through his teeth. Yep. For years, for both, for two years, he was here and he was lying the whole time. But okay, so we talked yesterday to Randy Ray. Right, and we were talking about the incredible schedule that uh, Weber State has to play because they've got Utah State tonight, and they've got BYU coming up, and they've got uh, Fresno State. I mean, they're just playing an absolutely ridiculously difficult uh, basketball schedule this week or, or this year. So, who was their last win? I honestly can't even think of what the team was. It was Kent Marie State or something. Yeah. Like it was some f- non real Fort Kent, Maine Fort Kent. And what did Randy Ray say? Us, what did the coach say? He said, "Yeah, we knew it wasn't a competitive game, but we're playing so many tough games. Yeah. We needed a break." I'm okay that Lane Kiffin says, "You know what? I've coached at USC or Tennessee or wherever, and he's going to end up again with a very high profile job. He was offensive coordinator at Alabama. Like he's done the brutal job. If he wants to go spend a season at FAU, <laughs> just yeah. kick his feet up every once in a while. Say, you know what? My 70 hour weeks or 60 hour weeks this week, this this year or for two seasons, I have no problem with it." All right, we'll get to the top three stories at kslsports.com. Coming up next, do we have another pair of tickets to give away, Hatch? All right, so stay tuned for that. Jake and Ben, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. With a blowout victory over San Diego State, Blake Anderson and the Aggies have brought an improbable Mountain West Conference Championship to Logan. Logan. Now the Aggies prepare for a showdown against Oregon State in the first ever L.A. Bowl in SoFi Stadium. Your home for the best coverage of Aggie football. Aggie football. As well as all the play-by-play action is right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Jake and Ben, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jake Scott, Ben Anderson. It's time for the top three stories at kslsports.com. Brought to you today by our friends at Davis Vision. It's the fifth annual Black Friday sale. It's been extended through December at Davis Vision. Tired of glasses or contacts? Get LASIK now. Save $1,400. Limited spots available, so get on it. Check them out. DavisVisionMD.com or call 801-253-3080. That is Davis Vision. All right, Hatch, where are we starting? Number one, the Utah Jazz are back in action after a short hiatus against the Los Angeles Clippers. National TV, Ben? ESPN game. Opportunity, I think, for the Jazz to uh, to kind of show the country how well they're playing. Jazz are almost uh, they're almost playing so well that you probably get some tune-outs. You know, like, we love close games. We love watching Phoenix and Portland last night go down to the wire and, like, Phoenix wins in overtime. You're like, they're good. They yeah. won on the road. A tough game on the road. You beat the Clippers by 25 points at home the way the Jazz have beat the last three opponents by 25 more. It seems like every game, people tune out and don't care that you're any good. Like, there's almost a value to being in a close game. And if Paul George doesn't play tonight, I don't know if this is going to be a very close game. But it is an opportunity for the Jazz, if the Clippers decide they want to go back out and uh, run a small lineup against the Jazz, to put Rudy Gay out there for a little bit and see if that works. To tune that up? I mean, most every team is doing that to the Jazz at some point during the game. I mean, uh, Locke has made this point multiple times that uh, they're getting practice against that, which, yeah. you know, you've got to have the right personnel, which is more important than practice. But, I mean, they are getting uh, to look at that more. I would be surprised if that happens again to the Jazz in the playoffs where a team just schemes them like that and it wins. And it's happened multiple years, so it's not like last year was a fluke. But I would be surprised if that happened again. Uh, no, no question about it. Uh, it, it will be 
you know, we, we've talked about this being this theme of what's happened. It was like, well, Clint Capella kind of took Rudy out of the game. It was like, because the Houston Rockets knew how to utilize this incredible mid-range game that pulled Rudy away from the paint a yeah. little bit. And then they didn't have anyone to help coming back and stopping Clint Capella from catching lobs. So they adjusted to that, and then teams moved to the corners. Like, it's going to be a different problem in this postseason. The team that says, hey, we're just going to beat Rudy by going small is going to be stupid this offseason. Or this, this postseason, I should say. Because it's not going to work because the Jazz have adjusted to make sure that that doesn't happen again. So you got to find some new way to beat them. And they will find a new way to combat the Jazz and, and neutralize whoever you can as much as possible. It won't be perfect, but it'll certainly help. But you can't do it anymore because Rudy Gay is here, and I think that has been a major difference for the Jazz. So uh, it, it'll be fun to watch. It'll be fun to watch this game tonight. I do think the Jazz are on the brink of, you know, I mean, they've won seven in a row. They're on a very good win streak and the longest in the NBA. But they could easily win, you know, their next six or seven games when you look at who's coming up. What's uh, and I should bring this up. Uh, let's see here. What the uh, the Clippers are defensively this year? Fourth, uh, according to Basketball Reference. So I mean, it's gonna be a pretty good defense they're gonna face, regardless. Obviously, Paul George is a big deal if he's there or not. But we'll we'll see if this offense can continue its historic pace against a, a really good defense. Today. The problem for the Clippers this year has been they've been not very good away from home. Now, they, they travel well. Their defense travels well. Uh, but a lot of their wins have come at home. I think they're only 4-5 and five this season in games on the road. So when they have to uh, leave Staples Center, soon to be whatever it is, Crypto Arena or whatever it's going to be called now, uh, they have just not been a very good basketball team. And they really struggle on the offensive uh, end when they, uh, when they play on the road. In fact, they are ranked. Let me pull this up for you. The Clippers have the... Sorry, i got to find them. Uh, Clippers have the 22nd ranked offense on the road this season. So they're it, it, they're good defensively. They're still, I think, number six overall in the NBA on defense on the road. The real problem is, and the Jazz are fifth the defense on the road, not that that matters, they're playing at home tonight, but you just you got to be able to score with the Jazz. The teams that have been able to keep in close games with the Jazz, it's not been the defense. It's been teams that can score. Because the Jazz aren't a great defensive team. They're still pretty middle of the road. So uh, if you can score, you're going to be okay against the Jazz. If you're going to count on your defense to slow the Jazz down, you're going to be in. You're going to be in trouble. And the Clippers are going to be in trouble tonight. Up next, Hatch. Number two, Devin Lloyd falls short of unanimous All-American status thanks to the dang AFCA. Boo! Can you tell me what the AFCA is? It's the American Football Coaches Association of America. So these, pretty much every coach who coaches at any level of college Votes football is, to vote. is a member of this organization, and they vote on this. Devin needed a first-team All-American designation from them. It was the last one he was waiting on, and he would have gotten the rare unanimous All-American status. There's always there's the, there is the designation where you're a consensus All-American, a.k.a. you've had enough All-American citations, no matter if it's first, second, or third Oh, so third there team. is a difference between consensus and unanimous. There's a difference here. Unanimous means you're your unanimous first-team All-American. He needed one designation, one remaining from the AFCA, and they put him as a second-team All-American. Is there any chance... And I'm sure there's not because they probably voted some time ago. But is there any chance that this is one of those situations where they're the last one and they didn't want to, they didn't quite think like, we're going to vote Devin Lloyd second team because we don't want him to be unanimous? We're talking about baseball Hall of Fame stuff with Yes, that's exactly what Jeter. I'm talking about. Yeah, okay. where some, some mouth breather votes against them because they're like, well, they got they're not going to be the... 9.5%. Yeah. They don't deserve to be unanimous. You know? Or, or uh, how about the movies, The Academy, when they didn't yes. give Tom Hanks the, the, the Awards, best yeah. actor for, what, Castaway? Because they weren't prepared to have him be the best actor of yeah. all time because nobody else had won three. Right. That's stupid. Yeah, it is stupid. Uh, 
Utah has three unanimous. So we've talked about this a lot. They have eight consensus All-Americans, and now Devin Lloyd is a consensus All-American. He's so a technically, consen- it's yeah. nine. That was already locked in. He's not consensus. unanimous. Yeah. They do have three unanimous All-Americans. Tommy? Tommy Hackett, Mitch? the greatest football player in Utah football history. Mitch, and then the other guy who belongs in that conversation, but not Matt Gay. I know who it is because I... Yeah, you looked it up. Mr. Cool, Louis Dakota. Oh, King Louis. King yeah, King Louis. Louis. Yeah. So three unanimous All-Americans. Devin Lloyd could have been the first non-special teams player to get it. And the, what is it? American, American coaches of America? Football coaches, whatever. <laughs> American football coaches of America. Well, where else would they be? Oh, so, sorry, so American Football Coaches Association. I apologize. I oh, I thought it was two Americans. That'd been really funny. I it was two Americans. Lame. That is lame. Lame. That's too bad. Shame on them. I bet it still doesn't cost him a single penny in the NFL draft. Probably not. Yeah, I bet he still gets drafted in the top 15 picks. And Do you think Devin looks at that though and goes, what more did you want me to do? Oh, yeah. Oh, like, you know like, who the most mad is more? Witt. <laughs> yeah. I bet you Kyle Whittingham is livid about that. In fact, I bet you Kyle Whittingham texts the four other coaches that he knows today and lets them wants to know who they voted for. He doesn't, he doesn't know 130 of them. Where'd you put Lloyd? Where'd he you knows, put him on your he, list? He's going to text Kalani. He's going to text. Who else does he know? Who else is Witt friends with across the league? Not Joe Glenn. Not Joe Glenn. Not Joe, Cowboy Joe, no. Uh, yeah, he doesn't have a lot. No. There's not a lot of guys that Witt's, but, uh, Witt, Witt's texting today. But I honestly don't. Like, he single-handedly won games for his team. His team won the league. Correct. He was dominant. It's not like he was a run guy or a pass guy or anything like that. most important moments. Yes. yes. He, he led a really young defense to the best defense in their conference. Like, if I'm Devin Lloyd today, I'm looking like, well, what else could I have possibly done? Did he even miss a tackle all year? Your three linebackers, though, that did make the list are Will Anderson from Bama, uh, Nicobe Dean from Georgia, and Leo Chanel from Wisconsin. Lame. I agree with you. Yeah, that's too bad. Swing and a miss. Yeah. Number three. Number three. Money, money, and more money with name, image, and likeness. Well, we'll see. wonder how much uh, dough these guys are putting in. Do you think they should make this uh, at these public schools? Should this be money that gets announced? No, because help? it's not coming from the school. Correct. It's private. Yeah. These kids, but these kids are still playing for these schools in part because of that money. Do you think that money should be known of, of who's getting paid, how much the kids are getting paid? Because we do know this in the NBA. These numbers do end up getting released of, of who plays in these professional sports. We, we have a general idea of what these kids can make. Will we get to that point? Never. And what should happen is not what's going to happen, Ben. I'll be curious because what? here's what. There will be, there's 130 college football teams. 90 of them would love to see what Alabama pays their players, what Oklahoma State can pay their players, what the top schools can pay their specific players. Because it's all, yes, we can pretend it's off campus and it's not involved, but we know it's all specifically right. involved. They, there are going to be a lot of coaches that push to see that number and want to know how much they have to raise so they can play big boy sports. And they ain't going to get it. They probably aren't going to get it. They ain't going to get it, man. You've got to think of this as self-interest. What What... Possibly, like in their self-interest, would it be to to give out those numbers? None in the NBA. The shoe companies give out the big contracts because they like to brag about it. Correct, because it attracts more athletes under their brand. Might have gotten a billion dollar deal. Yes, that's in their self-interest. It's like uh, it's like coaches talking about injuries midweek. What what good would that possibly do them? Not for the top schools. None. But the top schools are the ones that make the decisions in college football. Well, why don't they just say it? I mean, the, the guy's got an ankle injury. Why don't they talk about it? Because it doesn't do them, it doesn't work to their advantage. In fact, it works to their disadvantage. 
So we're never going to find out because, one, the companies don't want to talk about it, and two, the schools don't want to talk about it, and maybe the players do, but they also want to make more, so they're not going to talk about it either. You're right. We're not going to see that number. I would like to. Not that I care how much these kids are making necessarily. I'm happy for these kids. I hope these kids make as much money as they possibly can. You know, I want these kids to get rich. If that's the rule that they're going to play by and these kids are worth X amount of dollars, let those kids make X amount of dollars. Uh, but, you know, if you want to talk about fairness in college football, if that's the goal at all, is to have somebody even playing field, it would be nice to know, you know, what it costs to uh, that, to put a good football team on the field. That goal's gone, Ben. That, that's a... That's a thing long ago. But two four-star kids for Utah, two four-star kids for BYU so far uh, as a part of these classes. Lander Barden out of Brighton High School. Uh, the linebacker going to Utah. Nate Johnson out of Clovis. The quarterback going to Utah. So a four-star kid there. Cody Hagan, the uh, wide receiver from Corner Canyon. Uh, four-star commit to BYU. And Isaiah Moa, a four-star recruit uh, out of Weber going to BYU on the D-line, was formerly uh, committed to the University of Utah. Let's see, even though I hate this stuff, I, I was going to bring up uh, bring up the rankings. Uh, national rank right now for the University of Utah, as of kids who have already signed, number 37 class in the country, number four in the Pac-12, BYU number 54 in the country, number two independent ranking, of course, going to be behind uh-huh. Notre Dame. Average star ranking, and even though this isn't your star, it's kind of just your, your you know, if you're like an 89 or above, I think you're a four-star kid. Uh Utah's ranking is .87, BYU's is .83. And this is according to whom? 24-7. 24-7 sports, who but, I consider to be the best of the yeah. bunch. They've uh, got uh, USC last in the Pac-12. with only, Well, they only have five commits. Washington only has six. They're 11th. A lot of the programs that have coaching turnover typically will f- fare Oh yeah, poorly no, in this early that. window, and that's when, the, it was. we already talked about, the next signing day in early February, that's when a lot of those will... Yeah have an uptick because they actually get those coaching staffs in place and start their recruiting in earnest. And if you want a deeper dive on each of these uh, kids, you can go to kslsports.com. Trevor Allen and Mitch Harper both have really good uh, breakdowns on all these kids. In fact, I think Mitch has interviewed basically every recruit that's at uh, that's committing to BYU this year is going to have them on a podcast. So you can find all those at kslsports.com. And I'm not sure if this is a team effort or not, but uh, they're keeping track of the Aggies too. So for you yeah, Utah absolutely. State fans yes, absolutely. out there, kslsports.com. And we'd give someone credit, but... Uh, the byline just says KSL Sports. Yeah. It's a team effort, like you said. Teamwork that makes the dream work, Ben. Alabama, or I should say Georgia, excuse me, has the top uh, recruiting class in the country. Four five-star kids, fourteen or 15 four-star kids. Alabama, two. A&M, three. Ohio State, four. Texas, five. Penn State, six. Notre Dame, seven. How about North Carolina unloading the cash? Even though they've only got, yeah, they've uh, come in at number eight. Michigan, nine. Oklahoma, ten. See, we can talk about cheating in college sports all you want, but uh, North Carolina is the only school that I know of that actually created a fake program for athletes. Or a fake, uh, what, class. Class. Yep. Did you see who in the Pac-12 has the best recruiting class? Don't look it up. Cheat. Uh, Don't cheat. Just guess. You're cheating. I can look at your eyes. The Beavs. Stanford. How about that? Stanford has a top recruiting class in the Pac-12. Well, they need it. I don't know if you watched Stanford much (laughs) this year, but they they need it. Uh, We have some breaking jazz news, uh, Hatch. Comes from Adrian Wojnarowski. Wojnarowski, my apologies. You're good, you're choking. The Utah Jazz are hiring Denny Ainge as alternate governor and CEO, sources tell ESPN. Ainge will oversee basketball and Justin Zanuck will remain in place as the general manager. Huh. Wow. CEO, Danny Ainge. What, uh, I wonder what where in the hierarchy our guy Jim Olson is now, who's the current president of the Jazz? That's a great question. Yeah. Um, but I this... 
this was coming. Uh, Ryan and, and felt like that was going to be yeah. the case. Yep. Ryan and Danny are very close. Um, they've had a relationship well before he ever uh, purchased the Utah Jazz. Yeah. And uh, you know, seems to me the type of guy who has a basketball mind like Danny Ainge at his disposal, he's probably going to use it. Yep. I just wonder how. I mean, CEO. I mean, that's a that's a full time job. I wondered I wondered whether Danny would be like a consultant or or that's something. That's what I kind of assumed it would be. But I mean, that that sounds pretty permanent full timey to me. No, an alternate governor. That means he has voting powers in absence. Of, I believe it's yes. Ryan Smith who is the actual right. governor. Huh. Correct. So he has wow. those voting powers when abdicated. Hmm. Big deal. That is a big deal. Yeah. Bring Danny Ainge in. Brought Dwayne Wade in. Yep. I mean, he's doing his thing. Danny's a networker too. He knows a uh, he knows a lot about basketball. He's been around for a very long time. He's a good team builder. Obviously, he built those great Boston Celtics teams. Let's give away some jazz tickets for tonight's game. Be the twelfth caller right now. Eight five five three four zero zone. Eight five five three four zero zone. And you're going to go see the Jazz and the Clippers tonight. We'll get you ready for uh, Hanson Scotty coming up next. Stay tuned. Jake and Ben, ninety-seven five and twelve eighty the zone. This is Hanson Scotty. Let's do it. The athletic director at the University of Utah, Mark Harlan. I'm curious what the difference in financial impact a Rose Bowl is as compared to like an Armed Forces Bowl. Here's what I know to be true. It's not extra millions flowing into the athletic department in that way, but it's broader a, a lift to the entire university. That makes it such a special thing. I mean, on January 1, there'll be more people focused in on the brand of Utah, you know, maybe outside of the Final Four years ago um, on that day. And it's hard to put a value number on that, but uh, we're just most excited about all the energy surrounding the University of Utah. I mean, I think, guys, when this thing is said and done, we may have 60,000-plus fans based on some of the data I was looking at. We're going to be unbelievable in our representation of the game, and that's just so exciting. What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. Ben, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jake Scott, Ben Anderson. Hey, I've got a question for Scotty. Pop, pop Scotty's mic on real quick. And you know what? Ben can answer this, too, because he's got kids that are that are older than mine. But Scotty, uh, you, Scotty's got a, a college student. Uh, where's Brooks now? Middle school? Uh, he, he is in, high school? in ninth grade. Ninth yeah. grade. So still junior high. but yeah. uh, And then uh, you've got an elementary schooler. Yes. Um, when can you totally turn over driveway duty to your children? Uh, I okay. So the, how old? It, that's a fantastic question. I am not there yet, uh, no? even with the college age kid. Really? Because dang it. Well, okay. It just depends on how well you want the job done. Like I should, as a good parent, be turning over lawn mowing duties, all that stuff, over to help them learn and develop. Yeah. But they do it poorly and they don't do it well and that's a reflection on you as a family and so when people drive up to your house and they see like the mohawks in the lawn and stuff like that that's a reflection on you so i'm like you just just go away i want it done i want it it done the right way so just get out of the way i've got a nine-year-old and a six-year-old and we just started doing dishes as a family so all three of us kind of get together and unload and load the dishwasher and the you know the youngest can put the forks and the knives and the spoons away not the knives but the forks and the spoons away and the oldest is on kind of dish duty and I'm showing him where everything goes and how to how to do all that. See my my four year old her role in the dinner process is setting the table. You're getting started early though. Oh, as yeah. early as possible. Right. Are you kidding? Yeah. Why do you think I had kids? 
<laughs> unload duties. Un- unload, unload duties. Jobs. You yeah, know, indentured servants. I like Scotty it. loves mowing the lawn, and that's that's I a do. genuine thing. I do. I do not. I don't like weeding the garden. I don't like doing any of that. So the sooner that she gets on it, the better. You can have tiny little kids, though. I know. That's the problem. That's what I'm problem. saying. She what may age? never be able to run a lawn. Oh, mower. yeah. She is little. Yeah. That's true. You might never get a, She may never be mowing the lawn for you. That's it's true. not a problem at our house. We've got big strapping dudes. Yeah, right. And uh, yeah, and I probably should as a parent to be able to show skills and transfer them down to the next generation. Uh, they just annoy me with their inability to do it correctly. And so I just like, just get out of the way. Dad's on it. See, now who I really should be asking this question to. I don't I'd like. You probably, you guys, after these last two shows, think I hate my kids. Like, they're great kids, by the way. Oh, your kids are the best. Okay. Are you kidding? No. Every time I come on with you guys, I'm talking so much. No, and and you know what? You're a good dad. That's another reason I ask you these questions, because I don't want to overstep it, you know? Like, send a five-year-old out there into the snow to do it. You know, I got to, you came before me from a parenting standpoint, so I'm just trying to learn. I'm just trying to get to gather. Made a lot of mistakes, man. Yeah, to make mistakes. Poor uh, firstborns. Every yes. single day. They get all oh, of them. They get all of them. Yeah, I'm raising my daughter just fine. She's going to be good, but my poor son has had to deal with so the much for me. Poor guinea pigs, man. Yep. yep. Except for Scotty's firstborn is like the smartest kid on the planet. Well, he takes after his mom, that's for sure. Musically gifted? Like yeah. well-adjusted? Like you, you did a lot of stuff, yeah, right? Yeah, he's a good kid, for sure. He's number two in the latest power rankings. He's number two in the yeah, latest. I love it how that changes. Yeah. I do. I do. I love that how, how that changes. Uh, you want to give a, a tease? Is, is Hans off doing his uh, bowl stuff? No, no. Hans is with us today. Uh, we're here in studio. I, this is a lovely place. We haven't been here, yeah. in, it seems like, forever. It's good to see you. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, we got a lot breaking down, a lot of bowl game prep, a lot of uh, getting ready. Uh, of course, he'll be in Shreveport calling that game. Uh, and then I'll be in Los Angeles. I'll be out there tomorrow. We got Weber State, Utah State tonight. A lot of fun stuff to break down. I'm jelly, by the way, that uh, you're going to that stadium to call that. What a great bowl for the Aggies! What a what a great situation for that team. Well, it was fun too because they played at UNLV this year too. So they've got the two yeah. new NFL stadiums under their that. belt this year. It's good to be Scotty G. Doesn't suck. All right, stay tuned. Hanson Scotty coming up next, Ben. Uh, Enjoy your snowy afternoon, buddy. Take the Good kids job, sledding Jake. or Thanks something. Thanks for doing double duty today. Appreciate you, Hatch. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Jake and Ben, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent. It was senseless. And I will never understand it. I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.